recorded okay. that one, but okay. <laughs> I'll hit record now. <laughs> okay. Whenever you're ready, go ahead and go. Hi, I'm Tanya Kolesnik from clearenergeticclutter.com, and you're listening to Vroom Vroom Beer with Jeff Smith. Wow, that was really good. You got one of those NPR voices going on. <laughs> good job. All right. Thank you. Uh, stand, stand by. I'm going to hit stop, and I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. David Lawson, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going good, Jeff. Thank you for having me today. Really happy to be here. Great. This is uh, like one of my favorite days ever because I just quit my job. But before we talk about that, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Awake a Warrior, Wake Awake Warrior. Let me see if I can talk today. AwakeWarrior.com. That's your website and that's where your business lands. So what are you most excited about in your business today? Uh, I'm really excited to help reach other men, find more purpose, find more meaning, find more happiness, help them work through any sort of traumas or um, stresses they have, maybe have in their life and see men more fulfilled and happier and less stressed and really moving forward in life with a with purpose. Me too. <laughs> so thank you. That's a, I think that's a very honorable, noble, and a humble mission. So let's do that together. <laughs> I'm on team David Lawson because that's what I want to do too. Okay. Very cool. Yes. Very cool. I concur. So let's talk about, um, this is Vroom Vroom Beer. So in Vroom Vroom Beer, we go back in time and talk about you, younger David Lawson. So I know you've got a very interesting, compelling, sometimes very sad and scary story. So feel free to be, uh, tell me to go blow if you don't want to talk about something. Because <laughs> <laughs> sure. I get it, because it'll be painful to remember some of these painful things. Um, but before we get into that, what was like, early childhood like what was like what's like say like if you think about when you were like four five six what's a favorite memory of that time for you i grew up in canada so yeah you know yeah when winter came it was all about getting outside and finding a pond we grew up with okay. a pond behind the backyard oh wow so i was outside you know after school skating and playing hockey and you know canada was cold but you kind of learn to embrace the winters and yeah. outside and, and, and have fun and you know just be outside doing winter activities for me was hockey and you know walking to school good memories of doing that with friends and yeah I had a pretty pretty uneventful early childhood which I'm lucky I had two loving parents I had an older brother and sister and we had right we had a happy family grew up in a suburb just west of Toronto Canada um Mississauga or in and just the little community in that, and that was called Lauren Park. So I, I was lucky. I grew up in a really nice neighborhood with lots of cool neighbors. A lot of neighbors played professional hockey for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Our neighbor. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, we had Daryl Siller as a, as a few doors down. We had Lanny McDonald. My goodness. And then we had uh, a famous country singer called Tommy Hunter. So we had some cool neighbors and lots of <laughs> lots of like lots of friends from there. Um, wow. From their parents as well. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So like yeah. I grew up in Michigan, so I can relate. I kind of feel bad because the couple times that I tried to ice skate, it didn't work out. Um, <laughs> but I did all the other things. I think probably the most fun was sledding. Did a lot of sledding on snow days, right? Sledding was always fun. Um, yeah. Building like snow castles or snow forts where you kind of like dig out, like you get the giant snow bank and you just get some shovels and you dig like a, I guess like a, a mouse hovel or something. It's like, I want to make an igloo. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what I most remember about winter is it being really long and, and way too long. And then getting to like April, right? It gets sunny and like 45 degrees. And suddenly you just want to take off your jacket and your boots <laughs> and pretend like it's June. That uh, I, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely can relate. Spring was always a happy time. Yes. Yes. I mean, like you think, oh, 45 is cold. No, it's not. Not when you were, not when you were having like negative 20 all winter, you know? Yes. Yeah. No, we're in Canada. People are wearing shorts in April and May. Yeah, totally. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I think Michigan and Canada are, are, uh, are really close to like, uh, your, your experience, obviously, you know, there was a lot of Canadian influence and no Canadian people. Like we would see the Canadian nickels down in, in, uh, upper Michigan where I was at, you know, and we all sound, we, we all sounded a little bit like Bob and Doug McKenzie. We said, <laughs> we said a, a lot. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> Take off. Eh? Take off. Eh, you hoser. <laughs> And when I go back there, they still sound like that. Hey, welcome yeah. to Shopco. Have a nice day. You know? Yeah. So anyway, sure, yeah. <laughs> you don't get that so much on the West Coast of Canada, which was surprising. So that must no, be it, like it, a, an East Coast thing. Yeah, it's very similar to you guys, like different pockets of the U.S. Right. I, I, I remember I spent some time, had some girlfriends from the Southern U.S., Louisiana and South Carolina. They had the draws, you know, and then I worked for a company in Wisconsin. They, they had sort of a similar accent to right. Canadians. Yeah, so you move around the country in Canada. You go to Eastern Canada, for example. The Newfoundlanders all have, you know, that's you a really, that? really thick accent. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, as you travel across Canada, you get different different dialects, and it's the same similar to the U.S. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So in high school, I know you really got into hockey, right? So yeah. you were serious in the hockey. So talk a little bit about what life was like for David in high school before yeah, your dad I died. I, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, between like 12 years old and 16 years old, I started, I went from sort of house league up to, um, rep hockey. I had an older brother who was quite good in hockey. He played uh, major junior a went on to play professional hockey in Europe. So I had someone, wow. I guess I was always sort of chasing his coattails a little bit, trying to be as good as him. And right. You know, the little brother, big brother kind of thing. And sure. Um, yeah, so at 15, 14, 15, I was getting called up to play some junior hockey out of out of minor hockey, which was great. Um, so I, I, my path was to get an athletic scholarship because my brother played junior hockey. And in Canada, when you play junior hockey, it's almost like pro. They take you away from home when you're 16. Wow, you're, that's yeah, serious. You're yeah. Yeah, you're traveling around. You're living with a billet, and you're traveling around different um, cities across, um, well, in Ontario. 
for the Ontario Hockey League and your your school kind of falls to the wayside. You're really playing two games a week, usually, and you're on the ice every day. So I went the alternate route of a scholarship, but um, I had a little bit, a bit of a, a shock or a trauma at 15 years old. Wow, while 15. Driving, yeah. Right. Yeah, while driving me to a hockey game on January 1st, we had a billet in the back from Finland, and my dad passed away of a massive heart attack um, while driving me to hockey. So that was that was sort of threw me a little bit off my um, my focus. Um, he landed on my lap. The car went into the ditch. Thankfully, we were just about to get up before we got into a highway, a freeway. Um, and I knew he was gone. It was instant. His. It's funny when someone dies. I've never been around someone that died like that before, but. I could feel his energy sort of leave his body. Wow. It was, it was like one last breath and was gone. I mean, even though I, I ran out of the car, um, back then there was no cell phones, but I banged on, on a, on a door of a, the house where the, where the car went into their ditch and they called an ambulance. But I knew in my gut, even at 15, um, that he was, he was gone already. You just knew, just knew inst- it was instant. Yeah. Like, you know, our bodies are just, are, are, they're just a physical sort of, I hate to use the word, but it's almost like we're a piece of meat and inside there's a soul. I could almost feel his soul exit that, that physical, physical energy field Mm. that we all have. It's gotta be shocking for a kid that age. I mean, yeah, looking back for sure, huge. And you know, there's some things obviously you never forget in life. Like I can re rehearse that moment. Like it's yesterday. It was going like slow-mo almost in your memory. Yeah, it's something I'll never forget. Right. It's just really, really imprinted trauma, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget that. I mean, and I've grown to at first sort of work with it in terms of a lot of, you know, trauma and working through that. But now when I look at it, it sounds odd to say this, and maybe your listeners might say, what? Like, but it's it, it's almost was a gift because it, it led me down a path of really looking inside and mm. working on a lot of stuff that my friends never really did. So they looked sort of outside for the joy and the peace and the happiness. And at a young age, I had to learn to look inside. And, you know, Jeff, to really find joy, peace, happiness, it's a little bit, um, it sounds odd, but you almost have to look at the the other stuff, like the pain and the traumas and this and the that's. And yes, everyone's had some sort of trauma in their life. I mean, we all had trauma the last few years with this COVID. And, right. But to get to the really good, juicy, happy, fulfilling, meaningful purpose relationships, you have to look at the pain and the suffering. And, and having that happen to my dad, it kind of forced me to do that. Yeah. 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 And I can understand. I, I read your about page, right? Your story, I should say. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned in there somewhere, I think, was uh, the culture, you know, U.S., Canadian, whatever, really doesn't sort of have a, a context or any sort of support for someone your age, like a 15-year-old in Canada. It's like, what do you do with that, right? It's just like, there's you are on your own. I mean, obviously, you have your parents and... Yeah but you're like experiencing something that most 15 year olds don't go through and you don't really have any sort of, I don't know what the word is, but anything to hang on to. It's almost like you're in this free fall. Uh, that's me guessing. So what was that like? I mean, I mean, it's yeah, you it, know, like, it's so confusing and shocking and traumatic. And yeah. And you know, like I, I think I mentioned this a bit in my biography that a lot of our culture and even today, you've probably heard some of these phrases like suck it up, you know, be a man, right. 
Right, right, right. Don't cry. Like we're we're not really given permission as men to really express some of these deep emotions like 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 grief or, or or crying for example right you know it's one thing when i was playing hockey to get a stick in the face and lose a couple of teeth or take that's you know, fine we we've yeah. got context for that you know suck it yeah, up like, <laughs> like I, yeah, I would there, i would get out there and, and and i wouldn't cry and i'd be out the next shift and i get stitched up in between periods or whatever right that's all good and well and i and that's fine but when something happens off the ice like it did with me with my dad dying on my lap and not really knowing or, or learning how to cry as a man. Right. That's where, that's where all, our culture needs to take a shift. And, you know, you have to find the masculine side of, of men, obviously, but you also need to, to learn how to, how to, how to find that feminine side and learn mm. how to get in touch with some of these emotions that as men, most of us suppress them and keep them, push them down. Right. Right. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine, like, obviously, you're sad, right? That's obvious. But oh, sure. um, what were what was, like, one of the most surprising emotion that came up for you during your grieving period? Like, that, like, really close to the event. That's just good. You're thinking about it. I like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look back. I mean, this sounds a little bit odd, but... I almost became a little bit ambivalent to my feelings. And, and again, that's, 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 I think a little bit of a cultural norm that men have. Like if you look at some of the statistics on men's addictions, whether it's alcohol or opioids or cannabis, and you look at some of men's, you know, the suicide rates and men, like most of the stuff is on the rise for men. And, Mm. and I think one of the reasons for that is we become, to answer your question, we come sort of numb to our feelings. Right, we, right, right. You're we, trying to hide we, and not experience. Yeah, we them, don't, right. we don't know. We're not taught like in school. They don't teach us how to feel. They don't teach us <laughs> right. how to cry. You're you know? right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the new, the new word is emotional intelligence. We don't have that in class. We don't have that. No. And <laughs> no, and it's not, it's not even that hard of thing to do. It's, it's, but that's some of the, some of the stuff that I teach in my course and mm. um, that I just launched. I launched an online course for, for men that are dealing with, with um, stress and anxiety and burnout, because a lot of times those things happen to us men because we're, we're stuck sort of in our heads. We're living in our heads and we're not really in touch with our bodies to be totally right. To learn how to feel and get in touch with emotion. You have to learn embodiment practices, things like meditation, things like breath work, things like movement. You need to really start and and taking time to just sit and be like, as men, we're always taught to solve problems and get out there and do things, but we don't spend a lot of time just being right. Yeah. Okay. So like tamping down, just avoiding, right? That's basically how, so how long, that's scary <laughs> just for yeah. you. Like I understand now, like, like you were just like, okay, so basically your dad dies, you have no context, you have no tools, you don't get a lot of support. So you just kind of try to like not deal with it. Is, is that what you, is that kind of like what I'm saying? What yeah, I would probably say, and I always had the mentality, like I, I read a lot after my dad died. So I read a ton of autobiographies. I, I read a lot of ton of success stories, like how, how men were successful in business and adversity. Okay. All right. And I kind of came from, from at it like, okay, you fall down in life, you get back up again, you know? Got like, it. So okay. So we're just kind of like trying to dust yourself off and say, all right, let's just, right. 
Yeah, and really just sort of move on. And that's what I did. And now looking back, I mean, that was a great strategy to have success in business and and like I've done. But looking back, I would have accompanied that, get back up and keep moving forward. But I also would have sat and learned how to really get in touch with my deeper emotions, my feminine side, and then learn how to cry. I didn't cry for years. Wow. Right. No, I, I get it. Lot, I know a lot of men like that. They're like, oh, I just yeah. don't know how to cry. I'm not good at crying. It's like, <clears> right. Yeah. No, I get it. And, and it's embarrassing. It's like, uh, I, I, re- I, one of the reasons I stopped, um, uh, Facebook and, uh, other social media, um, mm-hmm. almost all together. I mean, I still have accounts, but I just look at them very briefly. But I remember mm-hmm. when I was like learning about emotional intelligence, I would post things like, Oh, this made me cry on Facebook. And everybody yeah. would just give me shit. It was like, stop saying you're crying. Because <laughs> yeah. people don't want to hear about it. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like there's embarrassment for men. We wear this. Yeah, I'm embarrassment for I'm embarrassed for you is what was the, yeah. the message. Yes. And uh, and I'm like, good. You know, maybe maybe you'll feel something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's that that's the truth. And that's right. that's kind of where we're still like like that today. And I think there's a, the conversation is changing because men, men are struggling right now in so many different, as like I said, in so many different areas with addictions, with suicides. With, right. Right. You know, and a lot of guys just aren't happy. They're just, they're living sort of a life of non-purpose, non-meaning, non-joy. And they're, they're getting divorced. They're, you know, again, all these things that um, our society is, I think we've never been like this before. Like look at all the, look at all the things happening in the world right now. It just seems to be men, men are, are wounded and we need to have this conversation more and more and, and let men know it's okay to, to be strong and be a masculine guy hundred percent, but also embrace the feminine side and have a, have, have a balance. For sure. I remember, I think I have a two embarrassing things I can share. Well, one's not that embarrassing. First one's super embarrassing. Um, I, so I was like you, basically just a little bit south, right? Maybe a little bit west. So in the in the upper peninsula of Michigan, in my, you know, emotional development, it was um nobody cries, everything's okay, shut up in color. Right. That's a fair <laughs> summary of how we deal with emotions, right? Why are you but, crying? You didn't fall down, you know? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I and my, one, I think it was my second assignment in the Air Force. I took this um, speech class, you know, like a college speech 101 where you go to get up and do speeches. And the instructor, the teacher, he was a lawyer, but he was also really into meditation and new agey stuff. So just his presence was bringing up and allowing and giving permission to everybody in the class to like, be authentic, be emotional, you know, say your truth. And I was not anywhere near, you know, I was just like, yeah. yeah. So someone, I think it was a woman got up and told this really sad story about losing her brother or sister or sibling or mom or dad. And, and we were all really quiet. And my initial reaction was to make a joke. Yeah. (laughs) And it was just so horribly embarrassing and wrong for the moment. (laughs) And everybody would just gave me these like devil, you know, if if looks could kill, I'd be dead 50 times, you know? Um, (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, I've learned something, you know, (laughs) I don't know what, but that was an indication that I didn't have the tools that I needed. Um, And then I think I took, 
It's actually earlier. I took a class in philosophy, and that was the first time anybody said to me, you know, I think the question was, how do you deal with like a tough time in life, right? And I mm -hmm. said, you know, anything but the right answer. I said, uh, ignore it, go around it, you know, walk the other way. Don't worry about it, right? All the Pollyanna answers that I, that, you know, I didn't know. So I was just guessing things I might do. And she said, no, no. The right answer is you go through it. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and I went, wait, what? <laughs> and she said, yeah, you know, if you have to cry, cry. If you have to get angry, get angry. All of those, you know, there's, there are no bad emotions. You can't judge well, a feeling, you know? And that no. was the first time in my, you know, 19, 20 years of life that I had ever heard that idea. You know, I was just like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, yeah. So anyway. Did that, did, that, did that lesson stick with you then? Did you start to No, work not really. <laughs> <laughs> but I had it, you know, it was there and uh, I, it, it made sense later. How's that sound? Yeah. So that yeah. particular idea was just a seed of a, of a, you know, later on it, it was confirmed over and over and over again, but yeah. you, you know, I didn't have the opportunity at that moment to go through anything. So I think you have yeah. to, yeah. And it's hard, you know, like, like our, again, we're conditioned. I don't know if you remember in school, sometimes if you got angry, it'd be like the teacher or even your, your parents would be like, well, don't, don't be so angry. You know, what, what, right. are, you, what, are, you, what are you crying for? Or stop right. laughing. You're any embarrassing sort of, me. Yes. Yeah. Any sort of emotion that came, came up. It's shameful. You know, we were, right. <laughs> we were told, we were told not to express it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. Okay. We come, out, we come out this ball of perfect baby and then all of a sudden we get <laughs> No, well, I, I've got another one for you because I, after, like later on, right, much later, uh, I started learning about, you know, all the things that you were learning about, like doing meditation and looking inside and actually trying to deal with my emotions. And I was curious about, like, what you're talking about. Where did these social conditionings come from, right? Yeah. And I did a... a, a, a a gig kind of like a, what was it? Like a temp job doing it. And it was in an elementary school. So I was in, uh, you know, I don't know why, but I, okay. So I was working on computers and it was like a third grade class. And the teacher was taking the class out to one of those things where they, um, put, put the kids in front of uh, parents to sing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And on the way out, she's like, now make sure you're not scratching your butt or doing anything embarrassing in front of the parents because that would be shameful. And I was yeah. like, oh, I was like, oh, that's a taught thing. You know, it's yeah. like you don't know what that what shame is until somebody tells you what it is. I was like, OK. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes from the culture. You know, you're swimming in it as a as a kid. So anyway, I thought that was neat. Yeah. I, I, and that's where all this starts. And then it sort of leads on from there. And we're right. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So, OK, so let's move on. So basically. Uh, you finish your high school and you're still on the kind of like I want to get a hockey scholarship kind of path, right? Yeah. Okay. Did that happen? It did. Yes. Okay. So talk about college and what it was like playing uh, hockey in college. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it, but I was still, um, I still was not as focused 
pre my father's death. I think I've, I, I was still hurting and grieving, but I didn't even know it. It was sort of a subconscious. A lot of our emotions, as you know, we store them. I have a father-in-law who's a, who's a professional voice coach and he teaches people to access their voice. Cause a lot of people we talk in our throats because the reason that is, is because we can't access our, our, in, in, in martial arts, they call it the dantian, the lower energy sort of below, just below our belly button. That's mm. where, that's where our voices should come from. Right. Um, and that's where we sort of push, push that energy down. So for me, subconsciously, I think I was still hurting and I went through college and got into too much drinking, you know, too much chasing women and not my focus on hockey was still there, but it was not really where it was before my father had died. I, I think there was a lot of pain and grief that I wasn't really prepared or taught to look at. And I kept pushing that down with behaviors that were not conducive to a professional uh, a hockey career, I suppose, or even right. excelling in hockey at, at that stage. So basically you're, you're numbing that pain still. And now yeah. you've got access to more, you know, numbing agents, I, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and sure. it doesn't necessarily need to be a substance either, you know. Um, no. Yeah, you can numb with a lot of different things. I mean, so take your pick. Could be, yeah. uh, could be sex, it could be porn, it could be weed, it could be booze. You know, there's there's a, no end of, uh, of things that people make money off of um, trying to numb things you don't want to feel. <laughs> yeah, it's basically economies built on that whole idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you finished college then and you still really haven't dealt with this grief. <laughs> Yeah, not at all. And then, you know, the numbing agent continued from, you know, alcohol to back in college, it was more casual relationships, I suppose. Right. And then as we get older, we get into more sort of serious relationships. So I kind of went from really still continuing the alcohol, but now the relationships were sort of um, getting in a relationship and not really in it to win it, I suppose, just sort of like I was almost addicted to the, the falling of love. It was like, oh, I'd meet someone. I, I was I, I really pushed myself in work and started traveling in, um, in, in business development and sales. And it was kind of like, oh, I can push this down with now working and alcohol and sort of meeting girls from, you know, different parts and having these relationships that were serious. But I was never really in it to get married. It was kind of like, ah, I just I love this. Or, you know, you get the, addicted to the spin and the churn almost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. The the honeymoon stage of relationships, like the first couple of years are always the most fun. And it was always, and that, so that was kind of what I did. I continued to keep numbing that, um, that emotional pain with now it added again, work relationships and alcohol. Right. So eventually you started your own business, right? And that was basically doing something you were doing in your job. Yeah. So I went from sort of working in one with one company out of the UK in packaging machinery. And then I, and then I added, um, I went on my own as an independent representative. I added about 10 different companies from all over the world. And at that point I was doing extremely well financially, bought a house, bought in Canada. We call them cottages. I think in the U S you guys call them lake houses. Okay. Uh, and, and went sort of from, um, yeah, just working like on a plane. When I met my now wife, my fiance, I was literally on a plane <laughs> almost every Monday morning, whether at a sales meeting or visiting customers across Canada right. or, yeah, or, or visiting customers even locally. Gotcha. So just, uh, I think it sounds like work is becoming yet another way of numbing the way uh, 
you know, you feel right. It's like, well, I'm too busy to, to deal with this now. Right. Yeah. 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 I get it. So a lot of, a lot of men do. We, we all sort of totally work is a good one because you can stay focused on work and not look at the, yeah. at the other stuff. And, you know, um, and from the outside looking in, you know, you've got money, you've got a job, you've got a wife, everything looks fine. Right. On the inside, right. On the inside of you, in your mind, in your spirit, you're still a mess. <laughs> but you... but I didn't, ironically, I didn't even know it. It was right. Like a, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I was sort of, I was not a conscious guy. And like a lot of men, we're not conscious of what we're doing. We're not conscious of how we're spending our time, what we're putting in our mouth, right. you know, uh, what we're, what we're putting in our minds, whether that's too much television or you know, all that stuff. We're, most of it, like for what I, I became conscious in my mid thirties, but up until then I had no consciousness of really anything. It was like, I was just a machine. <laughs> you were vrooming. Yes. That's what we call vrooming. Vrooming. It was redlining vrooming. <laughs> so uh, what was the big thing? Cause I know eventually you find Deepak Chopra and you go to a retreat, but what was sort of like the burnout breaking point? What, what made you yeah. turn inside or want to look? So I was at, the, I remember this like yesterday, I was probably 35. I was okay. engaged to my wife. I was at a trade show in Chicago, one of the largest packaging machinery shows in the world. Um, the national plastics exhibition exhibition in, um, at the McCormick place in Chicago. And I came back from the trade show and it was, you know, every night taking customers out and, and, you know, whatever they drink, I would drink. It was beer, beer, sake, sake, and just selling, <laughs> yeah. you know, selling $2 million, $3 million extrusion lines and printing presses and getting up the next day and running from sort of exhibit to exhibit the one, the companies that I represented. And I came back from the trade show and I was at a point where physically, I think I just hit a wall. I was just, I felt physically like I didn't want to do this anymore. I looked at my wife and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm, I felt burnout and my body was just starting to really let me know loud and clear. Wow. So you didn't have a heart attack or anything? No. And you know, luckily, because I look at a lot of, I watch a lot of autobiographies lately and a lot of guys that went through sort of traumas that got into, um, addictions, whether it's, it's usually led to alcohol, you would usually lead to like heroin and, and other things. Right. These And luckily for me, it didn't, but a lot of these guys died. Like they just died. Oh, they yeah. died from, oh yeah. Whether it was like a heart attack or, or cancers <clears throat> or, or just an overdose, like an, an, an accidental overdose or something. And, mm. and now I'm thinking, man, most of these guys that went through any sort of deep traumas, not, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of them just plain out died. Oh yeah. So you did like get lucky there. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, yeah, you're still here. So, yeah. So basically just exhaustion then. You were like, I am just bone tired. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, it was, okay. it was, not, it was not working. And, you know, that's when I said, hey, I Googled retreat. I Googled like business, professional business, men retreat. Okay. Know, whatever, guys retreats, men's retreat, health retreats. Wow. Okay. And that's great. It's a Google yeah. search. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 and then, and then Deepak Chopra had a center at the time called the Chopra center. And I remember um, that I was, I was there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At a beautiful spot, the Costa resort and spa. And I'm like, for whatever reason it jumped out at me. I'm like, okay, this is what I need because I, I grew up in a family where 
my mom was very holistic. So okay. I was like, okay, wow. this guy's doing like health and wellness, but he's not, it's not very, it's more alternative and holistic based. So that kind of grabbed me. And I literally hopped on a plane three days later, my wife dropped me off at the airport and I signed up for one of his 10 day retreats. And wow. that was the biggest change and transformation of my entire life. <clears throat> wow. So let's talk a little bit about what you learned there. I mean, did you just basically go through, so you had 10 days to try to deal with stuff, uh, but what did that look like? Let's talk a little bit about what happened at that retreat, because I know your life was completely different after that retreat. Yeah. So like your biggest veer right here, right? That was a, that, yeah. So this is your veer moment here. In Correct. Your, in your, <laughs> like, for sure. Like, yeah, for sure. Huge veer. Like I, it was a 10 day retreat called perfect health. And wow. The first day, the first day they teach you how to meditate, um, through similar to the big meditation movement now called transcendental meditation, very okay. similar meditation technology, like through mantra. Mm-hmm. And so, I hum. Sat, so yeah, yeah hum. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Love. So hum. Cause yeah. it's, so, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of easy, right? So yeah. I, I want everything to be easy. for sure jen if you've done that if you have you tried you've tried that oh of course oh yeah 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 so hum is the best yeah i I actually started at um wayne dyer okay and wayne dyer had um his was um i would listen to an audio and say ah like four times and that's a really really good i still use that one because it's just so great Um, but that's more of like when you just need to just relax, there's no more like relaxing sound that one can make than, uh. (laughs) ah, yeah, Yeah. over and over and over. You do 20 minutes of saying, ah, you feel good. You'll feel really good. But the, so the, so hum is more of a, uh, yeah, I mean, so hum is like, uh, I think way more focused because if you're just saying, ah, you're, you're maybe a little too relaxed. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so hum, sure. I think, yeah, can get you into that spot where you're supposed to be. Uh, yeah. Because that, that because loose, loose focus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the mantra is really helping you replace a thought and correct. But yeah. So, but back to your, to answer your question. Yeah. That they sat us the first day we, we did that and I'm like, wow, I sat down and, and did that first thing in the morning and it was like, I felt, it felt good. It was like, wow, this is what, this is what it feels like to just sit and relax. I've been okay. running around my, okay. my whole life, you know, running around from all this, you know, moving through life so fast. And all of a sudden someone tells me to sit and relax my mind. And all of a sudden I it felt, it was just a transformational experience. It was, it was beautiful feeling. And I felt it was, I was hooked on meditation from that. Moment wow. On. Okay. Good for you. That, yeah. that, I would say that's like not the typical. <laughs> yeah. Well, most, 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 yeah. Most people are like, oh, I can't meditate. I have too many thoughts. Well, yeah, that's normal. It is. That is normal. Yeah. I mean, cause it, it can be uncomfortable when you start to quiet your mind. That's when some of the, the thoughts that may, you may have been pushing down can come up. So for you, uh, I, I think, all right, so you get through this 10-day experience. Did you actually have the idea to, like, look at some of that pain and grief that you had been kind of, like, shoving down and not dealing with, or did that come later? 
that just started to come up. That's that's when things started to move a little bit. Not not the entire amount, but um, okay. That started to start to move for sure. But like so, from your experience in that ten day, basically, you got the idea that I like meditating because I like the way it makes me feel, like calm, relaxed. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and then I and it opened my whole world up to being conscious of what I'm doing. Like before, I was sort of ambivalent and moving around really fast, and had some unhealthy habits and addictions, and all of a sudden, I started to slowly let those go. Okay. So eventually you decide to go to India. <laughs> yeah. So the, how did so, that happen? So at, at the Chopra center, they also, amongst the, the meditation, they also teach you a lot about Ayurvedic medicine because Deepak being from India, right? he was one of the pioneers in mind body medicine and a lot of the mind body medicine, the cornerstone around it is, is really learning how to quiet your mind become more conscious of what you're putting in your body as well. They do something called um, panchakarma, which is like a, in Ayurvedic medicine, it's like, they call it, it's like a detox. Okay. And it consists of getting deep massages based on your physiology. So we all, in, in Ayurvedic medicine, we all have a dosha, which really is w- what we're like physiology, physiologically. Okay. So there's a kapha, which is sort of heavy. There's pitta, which is fire and there's vada, which is sort of air and space. And they all sort of, the philosophy stems around nature and the circadian rhythms. It's similar to Chinese medicine. We all have a makeup of different um, of these different different doshas. So when I was at Chopra the first time, they were giving us these treatments, and it was a little bit um, watered down because you're obviously you're not in India, so they weren't exactly like the panchakarma. You only have that, ten days, right? <laughs> yeah, you only have ten days. Yeah, exactly. And panchakarma is usually about twenty-one days, but. It was also very healing because when you're working on your mind and also you're with the meditation, you're also getting these uh, therapeutic Ayurvedic massages. Um, then you're combining the, the sort of, the sort of mind body um, energy and healing experience. <clears throat> and so I always wanted to do that at a deeper level in India because that's when that's where Ayurvedic was sort of uh, born, right? Born, yeah, yeah that's yeah. where it came. From, right? So I'm like, yeah. So for my 50th birthday, I, you know. My wife and I continue to go back and forth to Chopra throughout the years. He had a lot of really cool, different retreats. Like he had a silent meditation retreat. He had some more deeper teachings on Ayurvedic medicine. So we really dove into learning more um, about that lifestyle. And, and yeah, I always wanted to, to take it to the next level. I went to India when I was 50. We went to Northern India. And then the year after we went to Southern India. And we we had some really good teachers there, some really good doctors on Ayurvedic medicine, teachers on breath work, teachers on yoga. So was that uh, through the Chopra Center too? No, that was oh. separate. So there's there's quite a few different Ayurvedic um, wellness centers and resorts in, in all over India. Okay. So you just Googled like Ashram India or? <laughs> uh, no. So um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious how, how you find a place to go in India for uh... um There's a gentleman that wrote a book, um, called warrior pose his name his name bavaram he was an nbc war correspondent oh wow and and i ended up meeting his wife um through i think through someone at the chopra center anyway she had taken groups to india for many years and so i had a call with her like a video call and we i said hey i want to go to india she knew the best places to go in northern as well as southern india oh wow that's awesome yeah Yeah. So these were just sort of like a, a retreat kind of style. Um, yeah, there were, there was a lot of, um, 
so there was they, they would do the panchakarma so you would get we went i think we had the first time we had like 17 treatments in a row wow um yeah and you're meditating every day there's a meditation teacher there's a yoga teacher you're getting a consult every day with um an ayurvedic doctor so they'll take your They'll take your blood pressure and your cholesterol levels. Like they'll actually draw blood the first day you're you're there, right? And they want they want to monitor how this lifestyle will affect all that. And when you're done, man, your everything drops. Like your blood pressure is better, your cholesterol levels are better. It's amazing to see the shift. You know your um, your blood sugars. It's amazing to see the shift when you're done the 17 days. That's amazing. And you, how yeah. many, so how many t- you did this over like a course of like eight years? Is that right? Um, the Chopra Center over eight years, and then. Okay. Um, and then India over like pre just before COVID happened, like I think it was 019 and 020 were in India two years back to back. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. That, amazing. So yeah, during that, that cool. whole time, you're also like, like you're, you're, you've got probably a regular meditation practice now where you're taking it home with you. You're not just doing it on your retreats. Correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 So talk a little bit about, uh, your personal like today meditation practice and what it looks like. Yeah. So, um, I should probably back up when I first got back from the Chopra center, I also started seeing a, a really, um, infamous traditional Chinese medicine doctor in nice. downtown Toronto. Okay. Um, he was, cause I was at that point, my body was still, still sort of healing and unhealthy from, from the push and the drive for so many years. And he started giving me these massive, Really, I don't know if you ever have you ever had acupuncture. No, I wish I would have though. Some okay, it's on well, my someday list. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I went to a Chinese medicine doctor and he gave me some tea. Okay, and that was really super effective. I'm not exactly sure what it did, but I want to go back. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They're um, yeah, they're very similar to Ayurvedic medicine. They they really look at the. Uh, everybody's different. Like we all have a different physiology or in the West, it's kind of like everyone gets the same medicine and in Chinese and Indian uh, medicine, they look at us as individuals. Right. It's very tailored um, to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, he, he started giving me acupuncture with some fairly acupuncture needles are generally, you know, about a one eighth inch in diameter, like very thin. Right. He started giving me like half inch needles, like big needles to really wow. you know, get to, to really get the, and, and, Chinese medicine, they call it um, uh, qi, so they, to really get the qi flowing. Okay. Which is really energy moving up the major meridian points of the body. So I, I saw him for about three or four months in a row weekly, and I started to feel good. And, you know, all the tension in my body started to come down. My shoulders relaxed. A lot of the energy started moving from my head into my body, um, which we want. And he said to me one day, he said, hey, David, you want to stop getting these needles, and I can show you a way to – um, move your body the same way these new, these needles are moving the chi. I can teach you how to move your body um, and move the chi naturally. I said, well, heck yeah, sure. These needles are not the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> and now I know why you got the half inch needles. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I started meeting him downtown Toronto once a week for three or four years. And he taught me an ancient Japanese movement practice, um, his lineage anyway, ancient Japanese called Qigong, which is mm. kind, kind of from the, it's a cousin of yoga or Tai Chi. Right. It's kind of like, you know, the wax on wax off movements. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, my wife and I had a Qigong DVD 
Yeah. And she still does the moves and I, I, she's, she's internalized them. Now she doesn't need the DVD. I haven't done yeah. them in forever. I should do it again. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. Well, it's a good way to get, get, get into our bodies. Like it's like a moving meditation. So you asked me about mm-hmm. my meditation practice. That's kind of where I'm going. So that's part of it. So I'll do that every other day. I go down to the lake. I'm lucky. I live close to Lake Ontario and I'll nice. spend about an hour. Yeah. I'll spend about an hour doing that every other day. And the other days I'm not doing that. I'm usually doing another form of exercise like running or swimming or cycling or walking or dogs. But that's something I do regularly. Um, I mean, there's times I'll drift from that if I'm really busy, but it's, it's a practice that I go back to over and over again. It's really a good way to, to calm ourselves down and really get out of our heads into our bodies, really focused on moving that energy or the chi up the body and really teaching how to embody the the breathing and the movement and the mind all in one so it's a powerful practice and then meditating i sit um my meditation teacher was um uh david greenspan he was um oh wow i I know that name okay david g right yeah i hung out with david g and his little doggy ones (laughs) (laughs) so his his philosophy was meditation rpm he called it so it'd be rise p meditate so i still stick by that I love that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, your trigger so, for meditation is your morning pee. I like it. That's yeah, perfect. that's right. <laughs> His theory was if you don't do it first thing, you're going to start, you know, you'll go downstairs and have have a cup, a cup of tea or coffee or cereal and you'll get into work and you'll miss your meditation. Whereas if you do it right, right away, then you get it done. You get You start your day focused and relaxed and with a lot of clarity. So I sit in the morning. I do some breathing exercises that I learned in India for about 15 to 30 minutes. Okay. And then I meditate for about 30 to 45 minutes. So every day it's at least 60 minutes of wow. sitting and being. And, 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 and then finally when I'm done all that, I check in, which is something I learned along the way from another teacher. And she said to me once when my mom was passing, she said, you know, I was, I was really grieving. She said, David, do you spend any time in quiet time just feeling? I'm like, no, but I, you know, I meditate almost an hour a day. She's like, well, next time when you're done meditating, check in and ask how you're feeling. And that's something I've incorporated into my daily practice. And that's very powerful too, because when you check in with how you're feeling, that's how we process our emotions. So those days mm-hmm. that I'm really happy and I'll smile, there might be days when I'm angry, when I want to punch a pillow or days when I cry. So that's a really powerful practice <laughs> right. for men if you tap into that, checking in and seeing how you're feeling. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. I, I've never heard it described that way. It's almost like, okay, now that your mind is quiet. So I just saw a podcast or listened to a podcast. And it's almost like there's meditation. And then this other thing is like this contemplation. So they kind of go together, right? It's like, first you want to like do that breathing and centering and just being, right? That that really fits into the bucket of meditation. Then what she was saying is that check-in is almost like a little bit of, okay, now I'm going to think a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to think yeah. and feel, right, contemplation, which, you know, I never even thought of that, but I'm I'm going to start trying to dig into that myself a little bit too. Yeah, that's a really good way to explain it, Jeff, is <clears throat> contemplation and checking in. And then when you do that, then you're, you're moving energy because emotions are really just energy. Right. Um, their energy that it's in the body and they want to move through us. The problem with us men is we're so busy. We don't take enough time for self-care and self-love. We're busy with our jobs. We're busy with our friends, our family. Right. And then we get sort of shuffled to the bottom of the pile. But when you start loving yourself and taking care of yourself and checking in, that's when these 
emotions or energies can move and be processed through the body. And that's, that's when you start to become really healthy and whole. And then when you're doing all these things, then you start to get clarity and you start to co-create a life that you really want and you, and you <clears throat> develop purpose and meaning and everything starts to shift. Yeah. I, I can remember very vividly, like while I was still active duty military, right. Um, I would notice, um, I'll give a good example. I was brewing beer, which takes a long time <laughs> with some, yeah, it's really fun. Um, so I was with two friends and they could like brew beer and a lot of brewing beer is standing around talking and maybe yeah. drinking beer, <laughs> but sure. watching the beer boil. Right. And I noticed that they could stand there for three hours with, you know, and that wasn't a problem for them. But me in my early thirties standing for a long time felt like very painful. <laughs> yeah. Like in my, my hips and my knees and just my body just physically hurt. And I was like, why don't they hurt? Right. You know, at that moment, it was only like, like a question, like, What's wrong with me that I can't stand for three hours at a time? Then yeah. later on, I was on this other retreat. I think it was shortly after I retired. So maybe uh -huh. like 2008, 2009. And I was in another really great walking city, Portland, Oregon. And I didn't have a rental car, but I was hanging out with a bunch of friends and they were, we were doing like a retreat thing or some sort of conference or convention. Yeah, And I was like walking from my hotel to downtown to the other place to, you know, it was walking, busing, training, right? And I was just in, my feet were killing me, <laughs> my knees were, and I was like, so that was sort of like my entry into like, what the hell is wrong with me, right? Yeah. And it took me years to figure out, you know, diet, yes, um, meditation. I got into yoga, you know, more movement. You know, eventually, uh, now I now I can walk forever, right? Which is yeah, it, I can walk I mean. more now than I could when I was like thirty something. So you yeah, know, you, as the message goes, you can get better. It just takes work. Yeah, that that last statement you just said is is rings true. Um, it takes work. Like people want. You know, people want health. It, it does take work. Um, it takes a lot of and, work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of health is. It sounds odd, but a lot of finding our our health or, or finding that sweet spot where we feel energetic and we can walk forever is dealing with our emotional health. Yes, for sure. It, it sounds like a. It doesn't sound like that makes a whole lot of sense because you think about health, you think about movement and diet, but. The emotional side of it is huge because most of the the habits that people have that are not serving them in their health are because emotions that they're not willing to look at. Exactly. It's like you're trying, just like you were doing way back when you were numbing. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. numbing. Right. So there's a there's a there's a healthy way to look at like having a drink, or there's a healthy way of like smoking a sure. little weed. There you can. It's sure. it's not the substance. It's yeah. the what, why are you doing it? It's the intent, that, right? Exactly. Yeah. The, that, that word too is, is beautiful, Jeff, when you said intent, because 
Yeah, I mean, everything in moderation. Like, I, I'll still have a beer with my buddies or maybe sure. a cigar, but but I'm not doing it. I'm conscious when I'm doing it. I'm not doing it to numb something out. R- exactly. You're not doing you know? it to hide from something that you don't want to look yeah. at. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You have to have a life. Like, my wife always is on me about that. She's like, you know, if your intention is to enjoy something, then not, then enjoy it. Like, don't beat yourself up for having a beer or a scotch or a cigar or whatever. Right. But if you're doing it, if you're doing it every day or every weekend, um, that's sort of different. Like as long as you have an emotional, uh, you you have a barometer with your emotions, then I think you can enjoy some of these things and not, and they won't become addictions. Right. Right. Yes. You know, I, one of the big lessons that I learned along in my journey was, it's not the substance. The substance is almost like a benign agent, right? Uh, yeah. It's it's your inner life that you're ignoring that is causing the addiction. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and most, most people don't even realize that. Like, it's it's like think about all the you know the obesity. I know yeah. obesity is a big problem in North America, and and. You know, everyone's onto these like counting calories, and, and you know, I I, I kind of laugh. I see all these different fads; they come and they go, and a lot of it is just checking in and saying, okay, you know, why am why I am eating I, this why extra food? Why am I eating so much <laughs> yes. of this crap? Like, you know, it's not yes. it's not about the diet and the food. It's like if you figure out the emotional side of things, you won't eat all this stuff. Like, you know, why am I eating my emotions? <laughs> <laughs> hey david this has been a blast but we're coming up on our hour mark so let's let's bring it i know it went fast right this is this is a blast so i kind of knew that was going to happen we're on the same wavelength um so as we wrap up let's talk about how people can best get in touch with david lawson over there at awakewarrior.com and uh how you can how they can get in touch with you yeah, thanks for that, Jeff. Appreciate it. Yeah, you can you can uh, connect me through email on my website. It's it's easy, awakewarrior.com. Um, I'm offering right now. I'm doing a. Um, I just finished filming a, a course for men that are struggling with any anxiety or stress or burnout. It's a lot of the the tools that you and I talked about today, like meditation, breath work, and movement. It's a really well done course. It's not long, drawn out videos or short little videos. They come with the, each video has an accompanying PDF so people can do the work. It's really, they have to do the work on themselves. I'm just sort of a guide. Um, and it can be very transformational if they, if they take this course as well. I'm working on a, another course. It's going to be a 21 um, day challenge. It's not quite ready yet, but it's, it'll be similar. It'll be short little video segments for men to try a new practice or a new tool or a new habit every day that can help shift their life. And then eventually we're going to have a retreat um in Retreats canada later. great Ooh, in yeah canada. like we're gonna try a, a one-day retreat and then expand to maybe three or five we're gonna experiment with a one-day retreat um in northern ontario muskoka region and then hopefully out in western canada on vancouver island we'll do a, a retreat and might throw in some surfing with that um and then eventually i'm going to start doing some private coaching group coaching but i want to start out by making this information more accessible and affordable for people by having these courses that are quite um um, that everyone can sort of can, can have access to all around the world and they're and they're not expensive coachings like a lot of teachers offer and you know the beauty of what I'm doing Jeff is once people learn these tools they don't really need me anymore I just sort of I, I can sh- right. I share what's really worked for me and then they can carry on on, on their journey that's great that's how you know yeah I, I 
as we wrap up, I want to say like um, what you just said there is sort of like a, a, a big, huge filter for me. It's yeah. like the entry level shouldn't be like, you know, $5,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, there's nothing wrong with paying for $5,000 if you already know and trust the person and you think it's worth it and you happen yeah. to have $5,000 handy. Nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. But I, I spent years and years and years and years and years trying to figure out how to solve the money problem. Yeah. You know? And then I found this blogger, um, Mr. Money Mustache. You know, I'll oh, plug him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll plug him right that. now. And he charges zero. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. He charges zero and he tells you exactly what to do, you know? And and that was sort of like a the it can't be that easy if you've ever gone through that. It can't yeah. be that easy. I was in denial on and on how right he was. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yes. So uh thank you for that and thank you. Um, I want to say I want to honor and um, thank you for the work that you're putting out there in the world. I think it's a um, noble, honorable path that you want to bring um, meaning and purpose and healing into the world. And uh, what can be better than that? So um, thank you for um, dealing with your shit. <laughs> <laughs> So you can come back from the woods and share it like uh, the hero in the journey. Yeah, that, that I think that sums it up. I really appreciate your time, Jeff, and allowing me to share this. I know it's not the it's not the glamorous subject. Some of the early stuff that happened, but it is. We all on a hero's journey, and when you come through um, through a trauma or anything you've had in your life, and you come to where I am now, it's 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 a beautiful thing, and. I really happy that I got to share this story with your listeners and with you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, David. This has been a blast. You have a great Friday and uh, go smoke some weed. <laughs> <laughs> happy Friday, Jeff. Happy Friday, brother. Have a good one. Yeah, yeah. You too. Bye bye. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.